Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. We are doing some major celebrating around here this week and our episode has a celebratory theme to it as well. Today we're going to talk about three things that you need to know in order to become an effective special education advocate. And I feel so strongly about these three things that I have titled this episode, Everything You Need to Know About Special Education. This is a can't miss episode. Everything you need to know. Why am I giving you everything you need to know? Because we're celebrating here. This is our 75th episode of the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. 75 episodes, our diamond jubilee. And as much as I would love to send a diamond to every one of you that is listening and has been a loyal listener, I can't because guess what? We also, this week, reached 25,000 downloads of our little podcast. 25,000 downloads. There are a lot of you listening and we have done a lot of episodes and we are just getting started. It has been such an honor to provide to you this free resource in special education and special education advocacy. And we are just gonna keep trucking along. So happy anniversary, friends. Happy 75. Go out and celebrate with a little bit of extra sparkle. And today we're going to bring to you everything you need to know about special education. Holy cow, what are we talking about? We're talking about three things, and I'm gonna give you the three things right here at the outset. The first thing you need to know about special education is you need to know the law. The second thing you need to know is you need to know at least a little bit about special education. And the third thing you need to know is how to advocate. You need some advocacy strategy, some negotiation strategy. I just had a client that I took all the way through due process and I talked to the client at the end and um, everything was kind of going badly. You know, it was kind of like a country song, but, but a real life country song. My truck broke down and my dog died and, and my mom's in jail, that kind of situation. Now, none of those things were true about my client, but my client had some financial stresses and so while they wanted to keep me on and to pay me to continue to advocate, they simply weren't able to afford it. And so what I said to my client is here's what you need. You need a book about special education, the nuts and bolts, the legal stuff. You need to know the law. You also need to know best practices as they pertain to your child. Your child, let's say hypothetically, this child had ADHD. So I want for you to get these three books about ADHD. 
these three books about behavior, these three books about autism. And then you also need to know how to advocate. And so here are some books or some resources on advocacy. Those three things will get you going and they're a heck of a lot cheaper than hiring me as an attorney. That's what I said to my client and that's the message I want to bring to you today. Of course, as a special education attorney, I always suggest that you hire an advocate or an attorney to help you. But if that's not feasible or you don't think that helps the vibe or for whatever reason you're going at this alone, join the Ashley Barlow Company troops as we go at it alone. And I'm happy to provide you with these resources. So let's dive in a little bit more. Let's talk about the law special education itself, and also how to advocate just a little bit more. Now, the first thing I want to tell you is you don't have to learn everything all at once. I do, however, recommend that no matter where you are in your advocacy journey, no matter if you are just starting out, your child's two and a half years old and you're thinking about leaving early intervention, you're thinking about that transition to preschool, and you're thinking, what's this going to look like? What does special education advocacy look like? Maybe you have a child that was doing totally fine, and now you're starting to realize that they, there's a gap between your child and their typically developing peers their general education peers, the, everybody else in their class, and you're thinking, I wonder if we need special education. I wonder if we need that IEP. I wonder if my child might have dyslexia or central auditory processing disorder. Maybe you're in that position and you're starting out, but not in kindergarten. Maybe you have been in special education for eight years and every single year you think, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe that's you. No matter where you are in the journey, I think you can pick up right now, go back to the basics and become a way more effective IEP team member, a way more effective advocate by just diving into these three topics. So the first thing is know the law. The federal law idea, Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act, is a just that it is a federal law it governs all things special education now the federal law trumps so to speak it is the law of the land and then state law normally just kind of reiterates idea and then it also might tease it out and so you probably have a state law that adopts idea and says, yes, we follow IDEA and we're going to use this acronym and it's gonna have the definitions and that kind of thing. And then it's actually your regulations in your state that will tease out IDEA and say, here's how we're doing it in our state. Here's how we're doing it in Kentucky, in my case. Here's how we're doing it in Idaho or West Virginia or wherever we are. So your state law is really kind of where your nitty gritty stuff is going to exist. Of course, you might have to go back up the ladder and go back up to IDEA. 
And then there's all kinds of other things that we look at when we look at the law. We might look at guidance documents from the state or federal department of education. We might look at commentary to the law. We certainly are going to look at case law to see what has happened in nuance, specific cases with specific real human beings upon which we have applied the concepts of the law. But it is super important that you know these basics. Knowing the basic of the law is super duper important. And not only knowing the basics of the law, but knowing the parent's rights, knowing what you are entitled to as a parent or a guardian or an advocate for a child that is on an IEP. And I'm not just talking knowing the law, knowing that idea exists, knowing that you should go look something up. I really, truly, firmly believe that you should know the IEP process start to finish. You should know what you're entitled to start to finish. I can't tell you how many special education teachers that are in my circle. They might be friends, they might be internet friends, they might be um, even people that I know professionally that call me and say, hey, I've got a question about eligibility. Hey, I've got a question about specially designed instruction. Hey, I've got a question about a goal. And it's stuff that is super duper basic. So we on the team all need to know the law so that we as a team can make the best plans, the best programs, the best IEPs for our children. So kind of what kinds of things are we looking at? Well, I think it's really important to understand the laws about eligibility. How do we become eligible for special education? That starts with evaluations. So it's super important that you know how to ask for an evaluation. I have a lot of people that come to me and say they won't put my kid on an IEP. And I go back and I look to see if they ask for an evaluation appropriately and they have not. They won't evaluate my child. Well, that's because there's no technical referral. We have to ask in writing, for example. And when you ask in writing, it starts this timeline and the timeline has to be followed. And so it's super important that you know about evaluations and you know about eligibility. Now, in the second part, we're gonna talk about special education itself. And part of that is knowing how to understand the evaluation reports. Do you know the baseline or do you know the bell curve? Do you know how your child performs on the bell curve and how to interpret evaluation results? Do you know basically how to understand those evaluations? I always tell people if you only are looking for the age equivalent or the percentile rank, you are not thoroughly understanding the evaluation report. And those things are really kind of the foundation of the IEP. It's really important to understand the evaluation reports. From there, do you know how to make a case for eligibility? Do you know how to advocate for eligibility? This is what we're gonna talk about when we get down to advocacy. And I'm gonna tell you now as we're kind of churning around in eligibility, that this is a perfect example of how the law, special education practice itself, and your ability to advocate all kind of marry in together to make that package of, aha, we got it, success in special education advocacy and probably 
continued success for the child. So we have to understand the laws about eligibility. We have to understand what special education it, it is itself. Like if, if a child is eligible for special education, what's that gonna give them? It's super important that you understand that so that you know what you're advocating for when you're advocating for that coveted IEP. And then you have to know how to get it with that information. But you can't get it effectively without knowing the law and knowing what you're getting what you're advocating for, what those special education services are. Then you have to understand how to take that special education evaluation, the, the psychological evaluation, that the, the um, neuropsych evaluation, the speech evaluation, whatever it is. You have to understand how to get that and how to turn that into an IEP. What do we use from that report to put into the IEP? So you have to understand how to write an IEP, what the different parts of the IEP are. Do you know how to write the present levels of performance? Do you know how to take the information from the evaluation and say, okay, this is what we should put in those present levels? And then take the present levels and write goals from those. Here are our needs. And here's what we want to track data on. What things are important enough to write a goal for and what things are maybe not important enough to write a goal for and therefore should be things that we like maybe track or we think we're gonna get secondarily or we think we could even get in general education. How are we going to write the goals? What does a well-written goal look like? What are we monitoring in the goals? What are the components to a well-written goal? Those things are all very important. And why do we even have goals in special education? The goal writing component is super duper important, but I don't think it's the most important part of the IEP at all. In fact, I think the most important part of the IEP is that specially designed instruction. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But how specially designed instruction should be implemented actually is defined in the laws and the regulations and the case law and the guidance documents and all of that stuff. So we have to understand kind of the meat, the heart of the IEP, and we have to understand the laws and the regulations around how we implement the IEP with that specially designed instruction. And friends, we also have to understand what supports we get. What are the program modifications we're going to get? What are the supplementary aids and services, those modifications and accommodations that the child is entitled to? How do we get those into the IEP? What are they? What's the difference between a modification and an accommodation? All of those specifics are super important because if you're going to advocate you need to understand the concept for which you are advocating. You need to understand what am I asking them for and why? And if you don't understand the laws around them, if you don't understand at least the definitions, the laws have definitions and the definitions are horrendously helpful. So if you don't understand those things, then you probably are not going to be a super effective advocate. 
Now you know why I said at the beginning, I don't care if you are starting out in special education with a toddler, if you're starting out in special education with a big kid, or if you have been in special education advocacy for a long time, it is super important that you understand the laws. Super duper important that you understand the laws. I'm gonna go through my little list of sub things that we just talked about with the law. How to ask for an evaluation, evaluations themselves, how to read evaluations, how to make a case for eligibility based on the evaluation, turning the evaluation report into an IEP, writing the IEP, the parts of the IEP, goal writing, supplementary aids and services, and then how that specially designed instruction should be implemented. Those are just kind of hits and what we need to understand from special education laws in order to be effective advocates. Let's move on and talk about special education itself. You know, we're talking about three things today, the laws, special education itself, and also how to advocate. So let's move on to number two, how special education works. Now, I will tell you that when I first started into this field of work, I thought I need a master's in special ed. I need to understand dyslexia. I need to understand um, behavior. I need to understand executive functioning. I need to understand um, everything. I need to understand special education practice, like the nuance, the teaching strategies. And so many people come to me in my ABC course, which is designed to help people grow as special education advocates, professional advocates. And they say, I think I wanna go get a master's in special ed or I'm already pursuing a master's in special ed. I will tell you, oh, I also, I'll tell you a little, a little story. I also thought maybe I would go get a doctorate degree in educational policy. I thought, oh, that would be cool. I'd love to advocate at the state level and at the federal level. And I thought, I really need to understand educational policy. I need to understand funding and the reason for the laws and all of the kind of stats that really kind of build into policy, why the laws are the way they are. And I decided quickly not to do that because mainly because of the time commitment, but also the financial commitment. And also because of what I'm about to tell you, I'm gonna circle back and tell you what I was gonna say about a master's. However, I call it American University because they have an online program that's very well renowned and um, I knew it was good. And so I thought I'm just going to call them and see. And that was about five years ago. And they still call me at least monthly and say, hey, it's not too late to enroll. And I'm about to say, well, if you if you give it to me for free, then I'll do it because A, I don't want to get your phone calls and B, I still am kind of interested just because I like to learn. But I don't think you need those degrees. I don't, my personal opinion is that you don't need a master's degree or even an undergrad degree in special education. Would it help? Sure, it would help. I think it would help mostly because it would give you the insight and the, um, the kind of ability to see things from the lens of the school people, to see things from the lens of the teacher, to really understand how difficult really it is to implement an IEP, how important it is to implement an IEP, the different things that teachers are balancing in order to implement one individualized 
education program. I think getting a master's degree would not hurt, but I don't think it's necessary. I think you can learn as an advocate, as a parent advocate or a third party lay advocate or a professional advocate, I think you can learn what you need to know about special education um, once you, I'm a little distracted because I just got a text message from Jack's teacher. Only you would know it. You know, I say in my law practice all the time, I have no choice but to work with people that have children on IEPs because they're the only people that would tolerate me. I just got a message saying despite drop off, which did not go super well, Jack is doing well in school today. So you heard it first here. <laughs> and thank you for the text message. Okay. so. I don't think, we'll continue that thought. I don't think you need to learn it in a formal setting because I think that you can learn what you need to know about your specific child by reading books, attending conferences, talking to other parents, um, getting webinars. There is so much information out there now. And I think if you continue to stay interested in learning, and interested in helping, I think that you can find the information. I always start with books, always, always. I teach my kids with books. You might start with webinars. You might start with online courses. You might start with friends. I think a lot of people start with friends and like social networks. Their local Down Syndrome Association or autism group or a parent support network or um, topics at your hospital. I don't normally start there, but I always include that in my own learning journey. I love to learn from other people and I love to hear what other people's experiences are like. But what do you need to know, right? Like what, why do I say you need to know special education? The first thing is you need to understand how specially designed instruction works. What is specially designed instruction? And then more importantly, how does it work? If there is one global problem in special education, I might say, I think there's a lot of things that are probably tied at the top, but I might say that the failure to implement specially designed instruction is the most important of the things at the top, is the most important of the most prevalent problems, because this is the heart of the IEP specially designed instruction that is uniquely tailored to meet the needs of Jack Barlow. Fill in the blank with your child's name. Holy cow, that's amazing. Think about your cute little kid. You And, and if they're seniors in high school, believe me, just on, on Friday last week, I was talking to a child, to my client's um, child in an IEP meeting and I couldn't stop calling him honey and kiddo <laughs> and sugar. I will continue to think they're cute even when they're 30 years old. I am absolutely certain. Think about your deserving cute little guy or little girl. They are entitled to education that is uniquely tailored to meet their needs. That's incredible. 
but it is also extremely hard to do. It is extremely hard to hit the mark on that when you balance in all the other factors, right? Because schools are allowed to consider the cost of things and when you consider the teacher's workload and when you consider how children's profiles change and when you consider um, therapy fatigue, same thing happens, you know, if, you're, if, if your child's tired of a certain kind of even manipulative, like I'm tired of counting with these stupid plastic elephants. Can we please move on to stupid plastic koosh balls? Whatever it is, when you consider all those factors, it is really hard to hit the mark on specially designed instruction all the time. I follow all these teachers on Instagram, and when I see how much effort and creativity and thought and research they put in to their extraordinary education, to the extraordinary education that they provide in turn to their kids, I am astonished. And all I can think about is they must be so tired. Tired and poor is how they must live because truly to meet the needs of each child and their unique needs is quite a burden. And if you really think about it, it is nearly impossible to do, but that's what they're charged to do. And I do think it is very, very hard. So it's important that we understand how specially designed instruction works and then kind of all those factors that could affect it because ultimately we need to fix those factors or ameliorate, mitigate the factors that are negative so that we can do the best that we can do in getting that SDI. Also, it's really important to know kind of the nuances of specially designed instruction. Who's supposed to implement what? What is the specially designed instruction to look like? Why, what, what needs, why do we have this specially designed instruction and what is it supposed to be addressing? So in the dyslexia community, it's super easy. Are we gonna use Barton? Are we gonna use Linda Mood Bell? Are we gonna use Orton Gillingham? Are we gonna use Wilson? There are these um, third party branded programs, curricula. And so we need to get the teacher trained. We need to know how to implement them with fidelity and then boom, you would think that's so easy. But people come to me with dyslexia cases all the time and say, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't even know if the teacher is trained in Orton Gillingham. Well, friends, we need to know. We need to know because we need, we are team members and we need to know how the SDI is working just in case it doesn't work so that we can really kind of go back and retool and evaluate and look to see how we can fix the problem. So we need to know how the specially designed instruction works and then kind of all the nuances, who's supposed to do what, why they're doing it, how they're doing it, etc. We also need to understand all the different kinds of curricula, right? Because now remember, this is what I say about special education. The essence of special education is to meet the needs of the children. And if you are listening and you haven't ever done this exercise with me before, take your, let's say your left hand and make the bottom of a clamshell. Those are the needs. You're holding all of your children's needs. Here's the needs that we've decided we're going to work on this year. And we are going to capitalize on them with your child's strengths. And so your right hand now comes over and it is the top of a clamshell. Now, here you go on, on the um, 
squishy part is at the ball of your hand, of your right hand, we can open and close the clamshell. So we are going to encapsulate those needs with our strengths. So if your child is a visual learner or an auditory learner or a kinesthetic learner, those things are the things that we're gonna capitalize on in addressing your child's needs. So it might be reading comprehension, it might be phonological processing, it might be, um, all general academic skills, it might be a behavioral thing, attention span, something like that. We're gonna capitalize on those things with your child's strengths, and I also am gonna say with your child's interests, okay? That's kind of the essence of special education. So we need to know what curricula are out there that capitalize on our child's strength. What is a phonological processing curriculum that capitalizes on a child's visual profile? That's the kind of thing that you're looking on. What is a basic math program that is done with manipulatives? What is a basic math program that capitalizes on a child that has a very strong or relatively strong visual profile? Now you understand why it's so important to be able to read evaluation reports because we need to be able to identify our child's strengths and weaknesses from those evaluation reports. So we need to learn how to capitalize on their strengths while meeting their needs and what curricula exist that can help with that. And then we need to say, okay, we're gonna choose this curriculum. We need to feel empowered to help the team choose a curriculum. And we need to know, well, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna know if it works and it doesn't work? We need to understand progress monitoring the data. I'm sorry to tell you, you need to understand the data. So how does progress monitoring work? What happens if progress is slow or progress isn't fast enough or progress is declining? How does that progress drive the instruction? That's why we got to get back into the instruction. What can we tweak about the instruction? And I wanna tell you, sometimes we don't need to throw the instruction totally out the window, right? Think about any methodology. I have a friend that's a really good baker and I remember she was trying to make macaroons. And macaroons are, are particularly difficult. Not the kind with the coconut and the egg white that you drop on and like, um, ugly blobs on a cookie sheet, Griffin makes some really good macaroons like that. She was trying to make the, the French pastry, I think it's French, um, where you drop blobs, but you pipe blobs onto a cookie sheet and then you slice them in the middle and you put that delicious like Oreo kind of filling in the middle. And they're usually like pastel colors. And my friend was trying to master macaroons and we were benefiting from this because she brought them to swim team every morning. <laughs> And so we all got to try and say, oh, a little fluffier, a little denser, a little sweeter, a little not as sweet. It was lovely. It was a great trial and error phase in my life. But she didn't just totally ditch certain recipes or certain techniques or certain shapes or whatever. She would tweak them. And so if Orton Gillingham isn't working, what we need to be able to do is to go in and to tweak it, to add a little more sugar, to take out a little bit of salt, to um, bake it at a higher altitude. I don't know what Lindsay was doing. She's very into the science of baking. But I do know that when we made soft pretzels for the first time, and dipped it, well, made them for the 1000th time and dipped them in boiling 
um, baking soda laden water and they therefore turned pretzel color making me very joyous i texted her and said why did this happen and she explained the science to me so i know that she knows the science of baking and what i'm saying to you is you need to understand the science of the curriculum so that when there's an issue as a team member you can weigh in and say oh here's the problem or i think the problem is this could we tweak this or could we tweak that it's very important to know how to do that by now in this episode you are all saying oh yeah right like they'll listen to me now you know why there's a number three to this how to advocate so we need to understand data and how the data and drives the instruction and then we need to know as i was saying at the very beginning of this section the specifics as they apply to our child so we need to understand behavior management or sensory profiles or executive functioning or socialization skills, motivational skills, etc. We need to understand those things, right? How do we find this stuff out? Again, we read books, we go to webinars, we talk to parents, we hire experts. We use our networks to get the information. If your child's been evaluated outside of school, I challenge you, to turn to the last page, last five pages of the report, and I bet there are some books or websites in there. Buy the books. When I read reports for other children right now, there's five books in my Amazon cart because I read two files over the weekend, and there were five new books in those reports that I thought, hmm, that looks like a good one. I went, I looked at the Amazon reviews, they were good, so I put them in my cart. I'll probably buy them today. I needed, actually I needed to find my credit card, which I did find um, because my business credit card needed to be updated in my Amazon account. <laughs> if you must know how disorganized Ashley Barlow is. So we need to understand the specifics about our child's profile. And then we need to know how a school operates right? Like special education is part of the school. So we need to know the people that we go to for each particular issue. We need to know um, how, how the aids are used. We need to know who monitors children in the cafeteria. We need to know the specifics about the school. We need to kind of know like the culture, the school culture. It might be funding related, it might be supervision related, it might be instruction related, but it's all very important. No special education. So we'll go back through the list in special education just like we did for the law. How specially designed instruction works. Who does what and who is supposed to do what. Different kinds of curricula. How to capitalize on a child's strengths while meeting their needs how to take data and use it to drive instruction, behavior management, sensory profile stuff, executive functioning stuff, socialization skills, motivational skills, et cetera, whatever's unique to your child. You need to learn the nuances of that and how a school operates. That's just a sampling of what you need to know about special education itself. Let's move on to our third and final thing that I think is super critical to know in special education, and that is how to advocate. Now, if you did not listen to the episode with Ray Nelson here on our podcast about a year ago, I think you should go back and listen to what Ray says about how we need to understand how to advocate, how to negotiate. Ray summarized it so beautifully. 
And Ray actually helped me to remember that we needed to go back and read that book, Never Split the Difference. I went back and read that book and it inspired me to add a negotiation bundle, a negotiation um, workshop to my first installment of the ABC course. So after I read Never Split the Difference, I went back and I read some of my additional favorite books about special about advocacy and negotiation period, not special education. Like Getting to Yes by Fisher and Uri. Um, and I read another one. Oh, the, 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 the oldie but goodie, um, How to Make Friends and Influence People, which is by... I didn't write this down when I prepared for this podcast because I didn't think about doing it. Um, but that one's usually easy to find on Amazon and then never split the difference. I think it's so important that we understand how to advocate. And just like I said a, a few minutes ago, you will drive people crazy on the team. If you think you know everything about the law and you think you know everything about special education, but you're still just a parent, you're still just you, you have to figure out how to advocate, how to communicate this effectively, when to communicate, what words to say, how to behave as a team member. So when I'm talking about how to advocate, I'm talking about how to stay organized in order to advocate. You know, we talk so much about marrying the objective and the subjective here at Ashley Barlow Company. So what kind of stuff do I need to keep? What kind of stuff do I need to document? How, what, what subjective information do I need? What objective information do I need? How am I going to keep this organized so that I can tell a story, so that I can advocate for my child or this child? How to communicate, and not just communicate, like throw words out there, but how to communicate when things are going well. How to communicate at annual meetings. How to communicate when things are not going well. How to communicate when there are bumps in the road. All super duper important things. How to behave as a team member. So, so important. We are members of a team. You've heard me say it before, but the book about team building that I love is by Patrick Lencioni and it is called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. We work on a team and we have to have that ideological conflict that he talks about in that book. How do we effectively meet conflict? How do we effectively push the team to do what's right and what's best for the child. Simply how to get what you want. So many people come to me and they say, Ashley, I just felt like stomping my feet and saying, listen to me. And I always say, when you feel like stomping your feet in a meeting or elsewhere and saying, listen to me, that's when you know you need to stop and reframe. You need a different strategy because your strategy is obviously not working and if you keep using it, it's probably going to go worse and worse and worse. You need to know how to get what you want, how to get what the child deserves, what to do if there's trouble. You need to understand how to reframe in order to get 
what the child deserves. Now, part of this is picking battles, right? You need to know what battles to pick, how to avoid principle-based arguments. One of my highest performing podcasts in these last 75 episodes has been the one that's entitled something like the number one reason that I turn away cases. And it's on avoiding principle-based arguments, like taking up some kind of issue because it's just wrong. If you don't have something to gain from it, except for proving to the other person that they are wrong, you should stop right now. Stop right now, that is not effective advocacy. And so knowing which battles to pick, when to pick them, and then how to pick them, that's the whole thing. That's the whole ball of wax. That's what you have to learn in order to become an effective advocate. So we have to take the law, we have to take the information about the child, we have to take the information about how special education works, and we have to put that all together in an effective way to advocate for the child. And this involves some negotiation. So you need to know strong negotiation skills, effective negotiation skills. So I'm gonna go through that list with you also. How to stay organized for advocacy. How to communicate to avoid bumps in the road. How to communicate when there are bumps in the road. How to act like a team member. How to get what you want. What to do if there's trouble. Which battles to pick and how to negotiate. Friends, I think if you marry what you know about the law, what you know about special education, how to advocate, and the child and the child's profile that itself, no problem at all. Of course, I can help you with so much of this. If you feel like you are stuck in special education, hop over and check out my special education and advocacy lab. It is a 10 part video series that takes you start to finish in special education. It gives you those nuts and bolts of the law. It talks about specially designed instruction and we take lots of stops along the way to talk about advocacy super affordably priced. It's available all the time on my website. It's evergreen. You can hop over and download it now and get started tonight. I will see you same time, same place for episode 76 next week.